You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Um, so today's walk talk is going to be a really, really good one. Five core purposes of the Christian life. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So be sure to type in the comments where you're checking in from. Let me know where you're at. Grace Bomb, what's up? You guys got to follow that account, Grace Bomb. Awesome account to follow on Instagram. Hey, what's up, Jax? <laughs> good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining me here. Um, so before I get started on today's walk talk, let me go ahead and get my introduction out of the way just in case you're new to my ministry. And I know if you're watching live, you got to listen to it. It just takes a minute or two. <laughs> um, but if you're watching in the future, you can skip through my introduction. Wait for this cue. I get to a point where I say, let's get to today's walk talk. That is when you know I'm past the introduction and I'm going to start. Okay. But if you're new to my ministry, thank you. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Hey, um, thank you so much for following my ministry. I appreciate you joining me. My name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon. Check them out if you get some time. Now, if you've read any of my books, please go back and leave me a review. Those are always very encouraging to me. I also have a podcast. I'm recording the latest episode live on Instagram. Thank you for joining me live. I appreciate that. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, oh, by the way, the name of the podcast, the name of the podcast, if you want to go back and binge them, and some people do, <laughs> it's called Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. It's on every major podcast platform. Check it out. I think you'll like it. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, pause the podcast, leave me a review, and then come back and finish. Also, if you're listening on the podcast, pause the podcast, sign up for my free daily devotional. It is in the show notes on my podcast. All right. Now, if you're not listening on the podcast, be sure to go to my website, go to the free newsletter tab, and you can sign up for the free daily devotional there. I'm also on YouTube. Thanks for watching on YouTube. I refurbish these. Maybe you don't just want to hear my voice. You want to see my face. Go to my YouTube channel. <laughs> if you go to my YouTube channel, I have every single one of my my walk talks archived, and I have a bunch of clips called shorts, which is basically their version of TikTok or Reels. And um, check those out as well. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button if you don't want to miss anything, and give me a thumbs up and hit the bell button if you actually want to be notified when I go or when I post anything new. Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament. Letters. There's no list of qualifications, no list of authority. So I want to help renew your mind that you don't have to be a pastor according to what we see today because what we see today is not in the Bible. <laughs> That's man-made tradition which started with Ignatius at Antioch and then was solidified through the Reformation. We are a body. There's nobody in charge. You got to deal with that. <laughs> and there's nobody in charge named pastor. Okay. Now also, I also like to say this in my introduction. I don't know everything. How about that? <laughs> Bear with me while I walk by this guy cutting his grass. It might get loud here. Give me just a moment. So I don't know everything. I put that in my introduction because I want you to be confident in what you know so far. Okay. Some ministries are established on knowing everything. You've never heard them say, I don't know everything, or I might be wrong, or I'm still learning about that. 
I want you to understand from the beginning, I don't know everything. I'm gonna let you know what I know so far. I'm learning and growing and maturing, and that is the deal. <laughs> That's the deal. We Jesus didn't say they will know you because you have a master's of linguistics and a radio call-in show. Jesus didn't say they will know you because you have a seminary degree and you're a pastor in charge of a multi-campus church. <laughs> Jesus didn't say they will know you by what you know. Jesus didn't say they will know you by what you do. Jesus said they will know you by your love. Okay, so I hope you get that from my walk talk. Sometimes I get a little triggered. I try to pull it back in, reel it back in, uh, but I'm a human and I have emotions, okay? So I wanna get out in the beginning. I'm a regular person, <laughs> just like you. That's, that's the deal. We are a body of Christ. Nobody's in charge. Pastor is not the head of the church. That's not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Christ is the head of the church, the body, in the book of Colossians. All right. So if you want to contact me, please do not message me on social media. I do not respond to those. I don't keep up with those. Go to my website, go to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. Now, real quickly, if you are abusing that, I'm not going to respond. So maybe you're thinking, ah, I sent him a message. He hasn't got back to me. Probably because you're abusing it or you're aggressive, <laughs> or you're looking to me for every single answer. I, I don't want to be that guy. There are plenty of ministries out there like that. They want you to go to them for every single answer. Yes, I want to help you. But when I get to the point of thinking, man, this person is just contacting me for every thought that hits their brain, I'm going to take a step back because I'm not that guy. <laughs> All right. Love you. <laughs> But just, just let's just understand that we're we don't need to go down that path, okay? And if you are following my ministry because you think I know everything, you probably shouldn't follow me. Take a break from me, okay? <laughs> You're not gonna hear that from from other people, you know. I, I am strangely comfortable with people unfollowing me. All right, I don't get me wrong. I want you to follow me. <laughs> I want to help you. But if if you are looking to me for every single answer, rather than the spirit of Christ within you, just snooze me for a month or so, <laughs> okay? Because you can become obsessed with what, and I hate using my name in the third person, what Matt McMillan knows, or what so-and-so knows, or what so-and-so knows. You know what you need to know right now in here because you have the spirit, all right? Okay, so let's get to today's walk talk. Five core purposes of the Christian life. Now, before I begin, <laughs> there are a lot more than five, all right? So five is not the limit. Good morning, Kevin Engler. Five is not the limit, state representative. Excuse me, Senator Kevin, Kevin Engler. We have a park named after him. <laughs> uh, this is a very affluent area and uh, awesome guy. Played basketball with him over the years and super nice guy. Anyway, where was I? Uh, there's more than five. <laughs> there's more than five 
core purposes for the Christian life. Okay, so this isn't like, these are the five. You got to do these five. That's not what this is at all. <laughs> so don't think, oh, Matt's just got these five. They're unlimited. They're limitless. Okay, now I'm going to base these five on something that Jesus said. Okay, now again, I just want to press this preface preface that's the word see i don't know every word <laughs> preface i want to preface i want to preface i want to begin this by yet again saying this is not a legalistic five purposes all right this i'm just going to go over something jesus said in the book of acts chapter 26 okay and it's actually paul quoting jesus okay so five core purposes of the christian life this is going to be based on acts 26 verse 17 and 18 okay now before i get into this and he lists five <laughs> and it's coming from jesus in acts 26 16 he says this is going to be your purpose <laughs> so this is not just all oh, matches coming up with some stuff he's just trying to whatever okay no, I actually, <laughs> I had an idea of a walk talk and I said, I want to come up with three purposes of the Christian life, five purposes of the Christian life. I started studying this stuff and I was like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus actually lists five exactly in Acts 26, 17 and 18. And right before this, he says, this is your purpose. <laughs> okay, so that's what we're going to go over, okay? We're going to go to the Bible and we're going to read it based on the context of what Christ is saying. Okay, so this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. This is, as I was studying this and getting prepared for this walk talk, I was like, man, I love this stuff. This is so good. Um, okay, so the five, I'm not going to list off the five because this is going to be a pretty in-depth walk talk about the five. So I need to keep my time going pretty quickly. And sometimes I can start to ramble about a certain thing and uh, it goes a little bit longer. So I'm going to try to keep these nice and neat and tidy in regard to the five. So five core purposes of the Christian life. There are more than five. This is going to be based on Acts 26, 17 and 18, something that Jesus said to Paul about his purpose. Okay. Now what is purpose? I want to talk about this because purpose is not a goal. A goal is something that you know, you will get to that, or that is your goal to get to that achievement get to that whatever you are trying to get to something or trying to do something that has an ending a goal is an ending okay purpose is not a goal okay here's something that purpose also is not purpose is not a principle so this is not five core goals of the christian life it's good to have goals. Don't get me wrong. I'm a type A personality. My list of goals. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's, uh, it's overwhelming sometimes. Okay. So goals are good, but goals are not purposes. Also purpose is not a principle. Okay. Now, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings when I say this because you know, I used to say the same thing. Many people will go to the Bible looking for principles. 
a purpose is not a principle. Also, Christians don't live by principles. Principles are pretty much guidelines for life. Air quote rules, air quote rules, air quotes commandments. I'm doing heavy on the air quotes because you don't want to say rules because we're Christians. We don't want to say commandments because we're dead to the commandments in the book of the law. Okay, whole nother walk talk, pump your brakes if this is new to you. <laughs> Let's go search my YouTube channel, okay? My YouTube channel is heavily indexed with every topic you're probably thinking of when I just said commandments, okay? And I've got them all archived, so go search it. We do not live by commandments. We do not live by principles either. Any world religion has principles. We live by something much better. We live by a person capital P. Jesus, the spirit of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul said in Colossians chapter two, don't become captive to principles. They're elemental principles. So you can really begin to shift grace to principles if you're not careful, because then we're back into black and white stuff in regard to guidelines. Okay. So this is not five core goals of the Christian life. This is not five core principles of the Christian life. This is five core purposes of the Christian life. And a purpose is something that you walk in daily for fulfillment. Purpose gives you a reason to get out of bed. Purpose is not just something that you do. Purpose is your ethos, your life, so to speak. And again, Christ is your life if you've trusted in him. But five core purposes of the Christian life, these are going to be five core things that you walk in and something that Jesus said. So purpose is different. Okay. Let's... um. I'm going to talk about this because this really came to light when I was, oh, there goes an awesome, awesome hawk right in front of me here. This area over here is super hawk heavy. There's hawks everywhere. This one's right in front of me. Um, anyway, I'm a nerd when it comes to hawks. <laughs> okay. So when I, when I was uh, preparing for this walk talk, and again, I don't always prepare for a walk talk. Sometimes I'll just get up and just do them. They're random. But other times when I want to be specific, I will prepare. <laughs> and when I prepare, <laughs> it's going to be done pretty thoroughly. Um, so I seen this, net, this Netflix docuseries called Live to 100 secrets of the blue zones secrets of the blue zones live to 100 okay i think it's in the beginning live to 100s colon secrets of the blue zones now if you don't know what this is i highly recommend this docuseries it's like three or four episodes it's not long very entertaining um now real quickly because i could talk about this for an hour blue zones are areas of the globe where there is an overabundance of centenarians. A centenarian is somebody who has reached the age of 100 
or higher. So if you have reached the age of 100 or higher, you are a centenarian. A blue zone is an area on the globe that has an overabundance of centenarians. So the title of this docu-series is Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. So there's this gentleman, awesome guy, by the way, really loved how he respected everybody's beliefs and just super sweet dude who does this documentary, really enjoyed this whole thing. But he goes... He, he goes to each blue zone area on the globe and he's trying to find out why is this population here so dense with centenarians? Why is this population here so dense with centenarians? Why are there so many people in these areas living to 100? And he goes from section to section to section and he studies their culture, their diet, and their habits and it's different <laughs> it's different so of course there and i i really want to talk about this for a long time i'm going to try to keep this about this docuseries short and sweet overall they got daily exercise we're not talking about pumping iron if you want to pump iron that's great but they got daily exercise either on purpose or just because that was the terrain of their land or their city Okay, so they got regular exercise. <laughs> These people who were 100, I mean, they were doing some stuff where I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know many 30-year-olds who can do that. It's because it was just part of their life. So they got exercise. And then, of course, their diet is different. They, they, got, a whole, they got a whole lot of uh, plant-based foods, um, fish. Um, there, uh, there were areas where they ate red meat, um, but their diet was different non-processed stuff, beans, legumes, um, complex carbs, um, good stuff, stuff that God makes. Okay. So their, their, their exercise was different. Their diet was different. And it wasn't like they were attempting to do something to achieve something. This was just their life. Okay, <laughs> it was their culture. And then of course their habits, they, they, they all had regular habits. They didn't sit around watching TV. They weren't scrolling on their phone all day. They were doing stuff, they were being productive. But here's the thing, they all had a purpose. They had a purpose, whether it was getting up and tending to a garden, cooking meals for loved ones, riding a horse, lots of different things. They had a daily purpose. Even those people who had air quotes retired from a vocation, they still had something that they did. And then they were also purposeful about enjoying the day. Purposeful about that. That was one of their purposes. I'm going to do something today to enjoy myself. Okay? They had a purpose. This is how they were getting to 100. And beyond 100, there was one part of this movie, this docuseries, where the gentleman had came into this area and uh, somebody met him on a horse. And the guy was riding around on a horse doing stuff, you know, in his area, herding cattle. Uh, whatever it was, and the guy's sitting there and he's like, hey, 
when is the gentleman who's 100 years old gonna meet with us? We're waiting. <laughs> you know, I got the camera crew here. I'm ready to interview. I'm ready to talk to him. He's like, that's me. <laughs> that's me. And the guy was over 100 and here he is on a horse riding around doing a bunch of stuff and fit as a fiddle <laughs> because he had a purpose. So a purpose is something that you walk in, okay? And, you know, for me, my purpose, my purpose, my first book was titled True Purpose in Jesus Christ. So my purpose is Jesus. I don't have a goal each day to do my purpose. I do have goals, but my purpose is Jesus. My purpose is walking in him. My purpose is getting to know him. My purpose is trying to help others know who he is. My purpose is to help others know who they are in him and with him. My purpose is trying to express Christ, not even trying, it's just being. Okay. And some people, they don't understand your purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. We all have a purpose. You know, what's interesting is all of these locations with the centenarians, these blue zones, there were no nursing homes. And they had an overabundance of people who were over a hundred and they had no nursing homes. Because when somebody got old, they took turns taking care of them or they'd come live with them. And I'm not saying there's something wrong with nursing homes. I'm just saying once somebody goes into a nursing home, they lose purpose. What? Didn't expect to get emotional today. My, my grandma used to get up and just make some bacon. When she lived to 89, she had a purpose to just love people. Didn't matter who it was, but there was something that she did every day to walk in her purpose. She'd get up and I knew grandma was up early. That's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed, I got, I guess I'm going to be emotional today. Ah, no, I'm not. I got to stay on track here. This is going to be a longer walk talk. <sighs> I get grief sometimes from people because I go to bed early. <laughs> but one of the reasons why I go to bed early is so I can get up early. That's why, because I love getting up early. I love it. There's just something about it. And, and one of the reasons why I love it is I remember getting up early and I'd always walk into the kitchen and grandma would be sitting there. <coughs> Sorry. I guess I'm going to ball this walk talk. <laughs> but I just remember always smelling the bacon, smelling the biscuits and gravy. 
or the fried potatoes. <laughs> yeah, she did. She she cooked very poorly as far as health is concerned. But I always remember smelling it, getting up early. I would walk into the kitchen. The sun would not be up. And there's grandma. She's sitting there. Bible cracked open. Some notes written on an envelope or something. And uh, she... Oh, she was there. And when I get up early, I just, it reminds me of getting up early and knowing grandma's already up, so I'm not going to be alone. Grandma's already up. We can talk about something special. <laughs> grandma's already up. I get some bacon. <laughs> but she had that purpose and her purpose has left a legacy. And the centenarians in these blue zones, their family took care of them. Okay, that was their purpose. Okay, and they had somebody to just, uh, you know, make some pasta for for the day. They had a purpose. Okay, uh, let's get on track here. Okay, some people don't understand your purpose, and I wanted to say that this morning as well. You will get attacked for your purpose. depending on what it is. You will be ignored <laughs> for your purpose. You'll be misunderstood for your purpose. And that's okay. <laughs> God understands your purpose. God understands you. God understands what your daily goals are. God understands everything about you and your purpose is actually being fulfilled in him and with him. 2 Corinthians 5, 5 says, God prepares you for your purpose. God prepares you for your purpose. So you might feel misunderstood. You might feel like nobody cares. Um, <laughs> God knows because he prepared you for this. Romans 8, 28, Philippians 2, 13. We fulfill God's good purpose. It is God who wills and acts through us to fulfill his good purpose. So it's God. <laughs> so on the days that you feel misunderstood or attacked or ignored, or it could even be somebody really close to you and they just, man, they're just, you hear the words that they say or you read the words that they text and you're like, man, that really hurts. That's very, very painful. They're attacking something that I really find a lot of purpose in. Forgive them. Love them. Feel your feelings. If you want to take it personally, take it personally. But move past that. Okay? Because God understands. God loves you. And what's going to fit you best is to forgive them. Not think of them bitterly. Not always conjure up those words they said about you or to you. Forgive them. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and get into these five core purposes of the Christian life. I just really wanted to put this stuff in the beginning of this because I want to talk about what purpose is. It's not a goal. It's not a principle. It's something that you walk in each day for fulfillment. Okay. Now, um, in Acts 26, we see the first use of the word Christian in the Bible. Now, let me take that back. Okay. 
The word Christian is in some translations in Acts chapter 11. Okay, we do see the word Christian there as well, but some translations say believer rather than Christian. Acts 26 is the most widely used passage for the word Christian. And then you have 1 Peter 4, 16, he says Christian there. Excuse me. And then we see the word Christian in some subheadings. Now, the word Christian as a subheading means it's not in the actual text. The subheading is a little section above a part of the Bible which tries to describe what you're about to read. Sometimes those subheadings are wrong. Um, but the word Christian is not used all throughout the Bible. Okay? We don't see it in the Old Testament. Acts 11, depending on your translation, Acts 26 is the most widely used. Now, in Acts 26, it is actually being used by an unbeliever. <laughs> King Agrippa. Okay, now this section of the Bible is Paul standing in front of King Agrippa and making his case for his ministry, Jesus. <laughs> and he's in, sh in chains. He's imprisoned. Now, he's imprisoned because the Jews did not like his message. <laughs> this is not picking on Jews. But the reality is when you go to the Bible, the original people who were against the message about Jesus were his very own people. <laughs> so Paul is standing in front of King Agrippa. And he says, hey, I followed everything according to the law. I lived a strict life as a Pharisee. I voted to have Christians killed. I dragged them from their homes. I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was a persecutor of Jesus. <laughs> so he's telling King Agrippa this. And then he goes into... An event that also happened in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. So he's on his way to another area with papers saying, I'm allowed to persecute the way. And Jesus knocks him off his horse or blinds him. They said it's it was brighter than the sun, he said. Brighter than lightning, I think he says. So at this time... Paul says, who is this? And Jesus says, it is Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, here's the thing. Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the people who believed in Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus said, you're persecuting me. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. So this just goes to show you when we are getting persecuted, the body of Christ, whether it's coming from those who are in the church who don't fully appreciate what he's done through the cross and resurrection, or the unbelieving group who will attack you, attack God, use sarcasm, aggression, insults. They're not just persecuting you. <laughs> They're persecuting Jesus. Now, Paul said, Jesus had this interaction with him. He was blind. And Jesus said this to him in Acts 26, 16. He says, I'm going to give you a new purpose. Acts 26, 17 and 18. Now here it is. Here's what he said. I'm going to break down all five of these. Okay. Jesus said, I am sending you to open their eyes. That's number one. To turn from darkness 
to light. These are Jesus's words, okay? Here are the five. Number one, I'm sending you to open their eyes. Number two, I'm gonna break these down. Number two, to turn from darkness to light. Number three, to turn from the power of Satan to God. Number four, to receive forgiveness of sins. And then number five, to have a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, are sanctified. All right, so let's get to this. So let's talk about number one. So the first core purpose of the Christian life, according to Jesus, number one, to open the eyes of unbelievers. So here Paul is, <laughs> a Pharisee among Pharisees, found faultless among his peers, a persecutor of the way, tried to get them to blaspheme. Jesus makes him blind. <laughs> but now Jesus is telling Paul, I'm going to send you to open their eyes. So what does that mean? We see something similar in Luke 24. There are two men walking down a road after Jesus was killed, and they're sad. Jesus appears to them, but they don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus says, do you guys care if I walk with you and just listen to what you're talking about? Yeah, sure. Come on. Do you not know what's happened here recently? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? And then they talk about all this stuff that just happened to Jesus. <laughs> be funny if Jesus said, hmm, it sounds mighty familiar. <laughs> he didn't say that though. He just kept listening. Then they began to talk about Moses and the prophets. What does Jesus do? He explains the Moses and the prophets stuff to them based on him. Their eyes were opened and they finally realized it is him. So this is excellent, excellent, air quotes, proof text <laughs> to say when Jesus is referring to anything from the old covenant, the old Testament, you're supposed to use that to open people's eyes that it is pointing to Jesus. All of the stuff in the Old Testament is pointing to, mm, getting triggered. Ah. <laughs> I follow legalistic accounts on social media and most of, most of the time, you can do this, McMillan. <laughs> I let my gentleness be evident to all. <laughs> most of the time, they mix the covenants. They go back into the stuff <laughs> where Jesus is like, or where God is really, really angry, totally ticked off about the rebellion of Israel because they said they would do everything in the book of the law. And we're like, mm, no, you're not. And then the Gentiles who knew that there was a God, because clearly there is something that created this. They rejected Christ as well. I rejected God as well. And they take everything where the sin of the world had not been dealt with yet. The wrath of God was still on humanity. And they take that stuff out of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and the Proverbs. And they put it on a child of God. Mm, I'm so mad right now. <laughs> if you only knew. Because I was one of those little kids. I was one of those teenagers who thought 
these verses which described God being angry at humanity because Christ had not come yet being used on me. I'm not saying take anything out. Leave the canon of scripture exactly how it is. But just like Jesus opened these two men's eyes, two men, two men's, two men's, two people's eyes. <laughs> By using the old covenant stuff and saying, this is about me. Their eyes were opened. So that is a core purpose of the Christian life is to use the old covenant, the old Testament, everything that we delight in the law. I delight in your commandments. The wrath of God is on the wicked, the deceitful heart. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful from it. All of these train up a child in the way they should go. All of this stuff, even train up a child in the way they should go. You know, I made a TikTok not too long ago. It said, don't force kids to go to church. This just blew up because people were like, oh no, Proverbs 22, six. Well, Proverbs 22, six is training up a child according to the law. You don't want to do that <laughs> because sin will be afforded through the commandments. Sin will be their master. Romans chapter six, Romans chapter seven. Christ will be of no value to them. Galatians, the whole book of Galatians. It will stir up the flesh. You do not train up a child according to the law. You do not train up a child according to the Ten Commandments. And if you want to force them to do that, they are going to struggle with sinning a lot, hiding, hypocrisy, arrogance, self-righteousness, everything that is of the flesh. Give kids a choice. Oh, what should I do? Just leave them here and I, I go to church? No, talk to them about it. What is the message that you're receiving at the church? Is it about Jesus? Then take them with you. Yes. But if you have a child who is just, just overwhelmed with all this religious garbage that they're getting at church, stop forcing them. They're going to hate it. They're going to hate everything about it. You are not training up a child in the way they should go, according to Proverbs, when you force them into any type of belief system. People get to believe what they want to believe. And guess what? They're going to be grown one day and they're going to remember all this. <laughs> okay? So look to the old covenant as a way to open people's eyes to point to Jesus. All right, number two, the second core purpose of the Christian life. According to Acts 26, 17, these are five core purposes coming from Jesus himself. Jesus is saying this. <laughs> He doesn't say core purpose, but he does say purpose in the previous chapter. And then he lists five things. Okay. Oh, you shouldn't make lists, McMillan. You should. Well, I like lists. All right. <laughs> and if I upset you so much, please stop following me. And if you don't follow me, but I'm still showing up on your For You page and on your Facebook feed, it's really simple. Block me. <laughs> I don't want to upset you. There are plenty of people out there who are actually looking for help and they want the message that I have to offer. I don't want to upset you. You can go watch them other people. Follow the other people. I'm not interested. Okay? Uh, I don't know where that came from, but I even get people unfollowing. Okay? Peace out, Sheila. <laughs> Betty. Jim. <laughs> Love you. All right. Great. People unfollowed Jesus. <laughs> Why is this following, unfollowing such a big deal? Don't scroll. Send this to five people. I'll save this from later. Just don't do it, McMillan. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. Number two <laughs> of the five core purposes of the Christian life. Uh, All right. 
Jesus said, To turn them from Satan to God is number two. No, excuse me. That's number three. The second thing he said was to turn them from darkness to light. Now, this is really interesting because he is telling Paul, I'm going to send you to open up their eyes. I'm going to, and that's according to Luke 24, when he opens up the two men's eyes, according to the Old Testament scriptures about himself. And then they recognized him, Luke 24, 31. But then he goes on to say, to turn them from darkness to light. Now, <laughs> there's a lot of darkness and light teaching or writing all throughout scripture. Here's the thing. We have turned this darkness and light into a goal or a description of. Here's the thing with darkness and light. You either walk in darkness because you're an unbeliever. This is going to help you. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. Because you're not going to confuse your who with your do. So when, when Jesus told Paul, I'm going to turn you, I'm going to send you to turn them from darkness to light. You either do walk in darkness because you've never trusted Jesus or you've never believed God before the cross or you walk in the light. It's one or the other. You don't, oh, I'm going to step over here and walk in darkness because I'm going to look at some porn today. Oh, I repented. I'm back over here in the light. Oh, I'm going to step over here because I'm going to go to the club and I'm, I'm going to get busy tonight. Oh, I'm back over here on Sunday morning walking in the light. Oh, I'm going to go over here. Oh, I'm going to go over here. You do not do anything to walk in darkness or walk in light. You either do walk in darkness or you do walk in light. It is a supernatural position. <laughs> <laughs> you can walk that way, but that, that doesn't mean that is your permanent identity. It doesn't mean that's who you are. It doesn't mean you're in darkness. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Look at this way. In John chapter 8, right after the woman who was caught in adultery, right after that story, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17, you are one spirit with the Lord. So if you are one spirit with the Lord, you are walking in the light. You have died. Your old darkness is dead, crucified, buried. Galatians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, Romans chapter 6. Everything dark about you, dead, crucified. You're new. So you don't walk in darkness, you walk in light because you are one spirit with the Lord. Jesus said, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of light. Now, some people, oh, right here, I got you, McMillan, just the other day. You said, Jesus said, don't follow him or follow. Listen, this is before the cross. You don't follow Jesus on this side of the cross. It's better. <laughs> Before the cross, people literally followed Jesus. He is not here literally to follow. So you're one spirit with him. And who is he talking to? <laughs> Specifically, the legalists. This is just a random crowd with a bunch of people. He said, follow me. You won't walk in darkness. But you will have the light of life. They're not going to follow him. They're going to figure out a way to kill him. All right. What's really interesting is the entire letter of 1 John, which John chapter 8 was also written by John. <laughs> the entire letter of 1 John 
or was orated by John. The entire letter of 1 John was written by John. And John contrasts darkness and light. The entire letter. <laughs> Those who have the word in them. Who's the word? That's my Bible. I got my Bible. The Bible's not your word. The Bible never calls itself the word. The word is Jesus. There's several different Greek words for the word. That's a whole nother walk talk. And if you want to watch it, I did a whole walk talk series on the word <laughs> and how it's not your Bible because the Bible wasn't canonized. The Bible never calls itself the word. Okay, so when you go to First John, the book of First John, and you see the word, it is talking about logos. The spirit of Jesus Christ in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. Those who have darkness, <laughs> those who have light, those who have the word in them, those who don't, those who have trusted, those who haven't, those who say sin is not a real thing, those who say, yes, I'm forgiven of all my sins. You don't walk in darkness. You walk in light. You might have dark actions and attitudes, but that doesn't change the fact that you're doing that while you're in the light. And when you understand that you are in the light, you can mature out of that dark stuff faster because you don't confuse that with who you are or where you are. <laughs> and what else is really interesting to me He's telling the most well-behaved people on the planet that you are walking in darkness. I will repeat for emphasis. Jesus is telling the most well-behaved people on the planet they had 613 different ways to behave in order to attain righteousness and become healthy and wealthy by obeying the commandments and the law. And Jesus said, you're walking in the darkness Follow me and you will have the light of life. We follow Moses. We don't follow you. You search these scriptures because in them you think you have life. I am the one these scriptures are talking about. You refuse to come to me to have life. You're a whitewashed tomb. You look beautiful on the outside. You do all of the religious stuff. You go to the place. You point out the sins. You call people sinners. You still refuse to come to me to have life and you're walking in darkness. You're looking to the commandments for righteousness and there's no life in the commandments. The commandments were brought in so that sin would increase, not decrease. Romans chapter 5 verse 20. We see this all in Romans chapter 7. <laughs> as Paul describes his past life as a devout law follower. But they were walking in the darkness. Not the woman who was just caught in adultery. She was not condemned. All right, let's go past. Let's get on past this one. All right. So the, that was number two. <laughs> so number one, the first core reason, just in case you're joining me live, because I see that number go up and down, but just in case you're joining me live, the first core purpose of the Christian life is to open their eyes to the message about Jesus. Number two, to turn them from darkness to light. And then number three, to turn from the power of Satan to God. So that should tell you something. <laughs> if you are keeping your eyes closed, 
saying, no, I'm going to go back to this Old Testament stuff, Moses and the prophets. We got to do this stuff. We got to try our hardest. Christ did not come to abolish the law. We got to do our best and put God first. Their eyes are closed. <laughs> and then those who are walking in the darkness, why are they walking in the darkness? Because they will not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're looking to their behavior for righteousness. And then we got number three. These people have the power of Satan over them. And Paul's new purpose is to get them to turn from the power of Satan to God. This isn't the people who are drinking, smoking, cussing in the club, doing a little dance. And of course, the Gentiles were doing all that stuff. <laughs> were there clubs back then? I don't know. But there were some very well-behaved Gentiles as well. Behavior did not save them. Behavior did not save the Jews. You have to turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. And the only way you will do that is to trust that Jesus is who he says he is for yourself. Believe. You know, the book of 1 John, as I was telling you, is a contrast of identity. So many people go to the book of 1 John and they try to say, oh, you're practicing sin. No, Christians don't practice sin. Right before this, it says we have a practice of righteousness. Our practice is righteousness. <laughs> Those who are of the devil practice sin. Oh, but I'm sinning. You just said it right there. No, that's their practice. That is what they do naturally, ongoingly to get better at. Your practice is righteousness. So that means when you sin, you're not practicing sin. You're doing something that is not natural for you as a child of God, as somebody who has the spirit of Jesus Christ living in them. You're doing something that will never fit you best. It's not going to, it will not set right with you permanently. You could go a hundred years as a saint with the same action or attitude you're still a saint. You're doing something that will never, ever fulfill you. You will never be able to find purpose in it. And it will be like you're quirking a geyser. That's why you shouldn't be in denial about it. And you should just walk in your righteousness. You're not under the power of Satan. Colossians 2.15 says, Christ disarmed the demonic realm at the cross. Actually made a public spectacle of him. So you have turned from the power of Satan to God. Satan has no power over you whatsoever. 1 John 5 says the evil one cannot touch you. A demon cannot even touch you. Can't possess you. Satan can't touch you. Can't possess you. Can't do anything physical to you whatsoever. They can slam doors. They can run up and down the stairs. They can try to scare the hell out of you but they can't touch you as a child of God. They have no right to touch you. Why? Jesus. Because they know they were disarmed at the cross. 1 John 3 says, the reason why Jesus came to earth was to destroy the work of the devil and he has done that. We give so much emphasis to the demonic realm, to Satan, <laughs> totally ignoring that they have no power over somebody who has had their eyes open to who Jesus is. To somebody who is walking in the light because that is their natural identity. They want to focus on the devil. <laughs> Deliverance ministries. 
It's a charade. It is a passed down monkey see, monkey do. We never see any demons being cast out in any of the epistles. And the part of the Gospels where Jesus says to cast out demons is not there in the original text. Before the cross, yes. Demons were being cast out. After the cross, no. Why? The cross. The actual cross happened. So when you attempt to go back into the Gospels and you take something that is still in play because Jesus did not go to the cross yet, did not defeat the demonic realm, did not make a public spectacle of them, did not pay for the sin of the world, and you say, oh no, we got to cast out demons. No, you don't. But they have no power. Now, they want you to think that. <laughs> That's what they want you to think because if you're focusing on constantly having this revolving door of casting out a demon. I did something bad. I watched something bad. I went some, somewhere bad. I got a demon in me now. No, you don't. They want you to think you have a demon in you. You've got Christ in you. A house divided will fall and he is not going to share you with a demon or with Satan. Satan has no power over you whatsoever. Ephesians chapter five, excuse me, Ephesians chapter two says, you have been sealed up with the Spirit. Zip. Always do that zip. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm acting like I'm zipping. You're sealed. The Holy Spirit hasn't marked you with the seal. You cannot have a demon. You have turned from the power of Satan to God because you've trusted Jesus. All right, let's go on to number four. The fourth core purpose of the Christian life based on Acts 26, 17, and 18. Something that Paul is speaking that he is repeating that Jesus said <laughs> when he was still Saul going from city to city to city, hounding the way, hounding the church. This is what Jesus said. I'm going to give you a new purpose. <laughs> and it's not going to be to persecute me any longer. Now, Paul still could have made a decision to ignore that. <laughs> but Acts 26, 16 says, this is going to be your new purpose. And then he lists these five things out. He doesn't list them as five. I know, relax. You're just looking for something to be critical of. I get it. <laughs> you can't help yourself. Not you. But if the shoe fits, yeah, you. <laughs> um, but he says, the fourth core purpose, because he says purpose, to receive forgiveness of sins. Oh, I'm going to go back real quickly to the power of Satan. The only power that Satan has, according to scripture, in Revelations 12 is to accuse you. He is called the accuser of the brethren. So when you be when you are being accused of something, it is going to be something that is accusing you of the opposite of the truth. Which is why I thought of this when I was listing out number 4, the forgiveness of sins. Satan will always try to convince you you're not really forgiven. You did that too much. You're not really forgiven. You did that too often, too much, too big. That's a really big sin. You're not forgiven. You're not forgiving. You're not forgiven. Accusations. Accusation. You're not righteous. Look at you. You cuss. You're not a Christian. Christians don't cuss. You just proved you're not a Christian. Oh, I only cussed a little. Oh, you, you cussed a lot yesterday. You cussed 27 times. I only did it once. See? Accusations. Accusations. Or you proved you're a Christian. You never cuss. Look at you. When was the last time you said a cuss word? 
Oh, you're good. You're definitely a Christian. Mm, man. You know what you should do? You should go to seminary. You should get your Bible degree at a Bible college. You should teach people because you don't cuss. That's pretty great. <laughs> You're definitely a Christian. Satan can appear as an angel of light. <laughs> Stirring up the flesh. You got the really good looking the flesh. You got the really good looking not the flesh. <laughs> really not good looking the flesh. It's still the flesh. I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about that separate entity that you have died to and been taken out of worldly ways of getting your needs met. And he can make you think, because you did this, you are a Christian. <laughs> because you went there. Because you showed that you have more works than a demon. Yeah, you definitely... Then you compare your works to a demon. Think about that. Accusations. 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 You have no friends? I feel sorry for you. Accusations. Accusations. Nobody cares about what you have to say. You only got 20 views. Oh, look at you. You only got 200 likes. They got 100,000 likes. Nobody cares what you have to say. Stop. Just stop talking about Jesus. Accusations. Accusations. Do you see it? Anything that opposes the easiness of the gospel and who you are and the graciousness of Jesus Christ is accusations. It comes from Satan. I'm not saying people who say this to you are Satan or that they're possessed, but they could be influenced by the demonic realm. When you hear a steady beat... <laughs> through the actions and attitudes of people, it doesn't mean that they're not saved. It means they are allowing themselves to be influenced by stuff that is not of faith. Okay? So don't say they got a demon in them. Don't say they're not a Christian. Just say, this is, <laughs> this is not true. You're attacking me, so clearly this is not coming from God. All right? You know... Be helpful. <laughs> That's how you know. You can even get constructive criticism from people because it's helpful. <laughs> All right. Okay, so number four, the fourth reason, the fourth core purpose of the Christian life is the forgiveness of sins. This is everything. My entire, <laughs> I would say 80% of my videos are about forgiveness of sins and how you're forgiven. Now, here's the thing when it comes to forgiveness. When Saul was persecuting the church, when I say the church, I'm not talking about a building or a denomination. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the ecclesia. When he was persecuting the church, one of the number one reasons why he was persecuting them was because they were saying that they were forgiven. You are not forgiven according to Judaism. Okay. You have to go to the temple once a year and receive forgiveness by way of animal blood. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. They did not receive forgiveness by repentance, by repentance, by repentance, or confession, by confession, by confession, or by believing God about anything. They only received forgiveness by doing a specific work, which is taking their animal to the temple. The animal would be killed by the Levitical priest. The person bringing the animal would not be inspected. The animal would. We want to inspect people before they get forgiveness, according to the church. 
But even according to the law, they didn't inspect the person. They inspect the animal. It's just a good animal. It can't be your old decrepit animal that you're getting ready to take out in the pasture and, and kill. This has to be a spotless lamb. This has to be a amazing animal. And it is a sacrifice. And you would receive forgiveness for the past year of sinning. You could not do anything about your sins until the next day of atonement. That is how the Jews receive their forgiveness. Jesus comes along and says... I am the Lamb of God. Well, John the Baptist said that. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Jews around them would have been like, what? No. We <laughs> go to the temple. What do you mean? But the Holy Spirit revealed that to John. The way, the church, the ecclesia, believe that you receive forgiveness of sins by believing in Jesus, his blood, one offering, one offering, not annual offerings, one. So he was going to go and say the very opposite to the Gentiles and to the Jews. Of course, the Jews rejected him that you receive forgiveness of sins by believing in Jesus once it is not ongoing <laughs> because the only way you can receive more forgiveness is if Jesus gets up on the cross again, pours out his blood again. It's finished. Everybody's not forgiven. The offer's out on the table. Will you believe that? Will you receive that? You don't even reach out and grab it. You are drowning in the ocean. The Coast Guard has pulled up to you. They are not saying, do you want this life preserver? Do you want it? Ask me for it. Ask me for it. Ask me for it. You do not ask for it. You're, you're drowning. You're going to die. He hands it out to you. You grabbed it. You're on the boat. You're safe. 1 John 2.12 says, your sins have been forgiven. Why? For his name's sake. Not for Moses's. <laughs> not for your repeated repentance. Not for your repeated confession. And you're probably thinking of 1 John 1, 9. I am not going down that road today because I could talk about that for at least a half an hour. Go to my website, search 1 John 1, 9, confession. Go to my YouTube channel, search either one of those. I've done full messages on those, full chapters in my books. The forgiveness of sins is the purpose of the Christian life because you are constantly walking in that and telling people just how big the blood of Jesus is, the magnitude of it, that you could literally, and this, this line right here will just set people off into a hornet's nest frenzy. <laughs> you could, I'm not saying you should, you could sin every second of the day until the day you die and you're still forgiven because Jesus will not offer up any more blood for your sins. You don't want to. Some people will go to Hebrews 10, 26 and say, if you deliberately keep on sinning, this is unbelievers who deliberately continue to sin according to the law, who continually wanted to go to the annual day of atonement and they're they were trampling on the Son of God, insulting the Spirit of grace, and treating the New Covenant as an unholy. That's not a Christian. That's people who were trying to get forgiveness, again, through animal blood sacrifices. That's why he says there's no sacrifice left for sins. 
That system is done. That is a once for all sacrifice system. You have been made perfect according to Hebrews 10, 14. That's the message that Paul went out with. I think Paul wrote Hebrews. It's not signed, but it's got that same uh, (laughs) lawyer type of message where, look, I'm going to point out everything from your scriptures and how all this stuff is pointing to Jesus and how all of these customs have been set aside because of the Messiah. You will receive forgiveness of sins once and for all time. Yes, once. Here's one thing you never have to worry about with God. If you've trusted in Jesus one time in your life by grace, am I forgiven? I never have that thought. Even if I'm struggling with some type of sinful pattern, I never think, am I forgiven? Because that would be the same as me saying, God, what Jesus did on the cross, was that good enough? Yeah, it was good enough. So I'm forgiven. All right, so figure out a different reason to mature out of that. This is called grace. And Paul told Titus, it is the grace of God, which will teach you how to live an upright, holy, self-controlled life. Not being threatened that you're no longer forgiven or that you got to get a little dab of forgiveness now and again. No, it's finished. And Jesus even said, I'm sending you out to let them know about the forgiveness of sins. It's number four. All right, let's go on to number five, the fifth core purpose of the Christian life. And a purpose is something that you walk in. It is not a goal. It is not a principle. The fifth core purpose of the Christian life is to let them know that they have a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. A place among those who are sanctified. Are sanctified. Present tense. Sanctification. This good news of the gospel is so good that those who struggle with an extremely intelligent, the flesh, they want to chop up sanctification. They want to say sanctification. Oh, that's ongoing. Not according to what Jesus said in Acts 26, 17 and 18. He said, we are among those who are sanctified by faith in him. The Hebrew people, they didn't receive sanctification once. We see in Hebrews 9 and 10 that they receive sanctification annually. How? At the temple. (laughs) And daily at the temple. They didn't receive forgiveness of sins daily. The daily sacrifices for sins were a way to draw near to God. It was another way of uh, recommitment, according to Judaism. It was another way of saying, we're not worthy. We humble ourselves. But if you read Hebrews 9 and 10, you can see that those sacrifices God did not want. That those sacrifices which were meant to sanctify them could not sanctify them. This is why they had to be repeated Jesus comes along, offers his blood once, and he has sanctified you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, you have been sanctified. Hebrews, let's see, 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says you have been sanctified. 
there are some passages that are ongoing sanctification, but this is not anything to do with someone's actions or attitudes in order to receive more sanctification. This is describing people who will believe in the future. Why do I say that? Because Hebrews chapter 13 says, only the blood of Jesus can sanctify you. Is Jesus repeatedly pouring out his blood to sanctify you more because you are maturing out of a sinful action or attitude? No. So what do we call this? We call this maturity. <laughs> we call this the renewing of your mind. It's not more sanctification. It's not ongoing sanctification. Sanctification simply means to be made holy. What is the only thing that can make you holy? Faith in the blood of Jesus. The word saint is the noun version of sanctification or sanctify. And that is what you are. This is why Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints, to the saints, to the holy ones, to the holy ones. Were they doing something which would cause them to be saints? <laughs> no. Maybe the Hebrews thought that they were, <laughs> but not the people in uh, Corinthians in Corinth, <laughs> they were doing some pretty debaucherous stuff. This is a Greek city. Ephesus is a Greek city. You got pagan idols. You got um, lots of debaucherous stuff. <laughs> you know, air quote Greek gods. Um, if he was calling them saints, based on what they did, he would not have written to the saints, to those who are sanctified, to the holy ones. Therefore, they already have a place among those who are sanctified, according to Acts 26, 17 and 18. And this is a core purpose of the Christian life. Oh, you know, so many. Mm, calm down. <laughs> I can feel myself getting triggered. I was triggered a lot just a few minutes ago, but you guys didn't see it. I did really good controlling my triggers. You're responsible for your own triggers, McMillan. I know, I know. <laughs> so many pulpits will go to certain passages in the Bible, and they really like going to the book of 1 Corinthians and hand-selecting certain actions and attitudes. They really like going to these other spots, but they ignore what it says before he talks about their behavior, which is not becoming of a saint. You have been washed. You have been justified. You have been sanctified. Past tense. Why? Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has revealed this to you. You have received the Holy Spirit. You have been sanctified through the Holy Spirit because he has covered you. You are anointed. So many people are like, I'm anointed to do this. I'm anointed to do that. No, we all have an anointing from the Holy One, according to the book of 1 John. <laughs> oh, don't mess with him. He's an anointed man. Oh, well, so am I. <laughs> the word anoint just simply means to cover. We're anointed with the Holy One. We are sanctified. So figure something else out as to how you're going to, you know, stop being a, stop acting like a legalistic jerk. Stop acting like a licentious jerk. <laughs> uh, because you're not, you're holy, you're sanctified. You are among those who have been sanctified by faith in Jesus. And this is the core, fifth core purpose 
of the Christian life. So, there's all five. How do we express this stuff? (laughs) I don't even say how do we achieve it because that's a goal. You don't achieve a purpose. (laughs) A purpose is something you walk in. You know, how do we walk in these five purposes? How? If Jesus specifically lists five different things, five different purposes, according to Paul in Acts 26, and he lists these five things out, how do we walk in it? With love. With love. There are a lot of ministries out there who are completely against love. But God is love. I'm not talking about sexual love. I'm talking about who you are. Who you have in you. Addressing your feelings. Addressing the concerns of others. Expressing your needs. Showing yourself love. Showing others love. These five core purposes will be expressed in the greatest ways through love. Like a vine and a branch, you and Jesus. (laughs) Branches don't put in any effort. They abide. All of their sustenance and life comes from the vine. You are connected to the vine. The vine and the branch, that is a descriptive passage, not a prescriptive passage. That's how you do it. You don't have a goal of this stuff each day. You get out of bed and you express yourself and Jesus together. That's your purpose. The ultimate purpose of everybody's life Whether they want to walk in that purpose or not is up to them. It's Jesus. All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it has brought to light maybe some errors, maybe some truths. Um, But you should always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous, you're holy, you're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. And you are awesome. So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.